0: Hi, I'm Kim Payne, and you're listening to the Courageous Me podcast, which is all about inspiring you through incredible stories and sharing some really cool ways to add more courage into your life. Welcome to another episode of Courageous Me. And can I start by asking, do you think you're successful? Now, this is a question I've been asking loads of people over the years, but particularly through a lot of research I've been doing with professional women. And I've been asking, one, do you think you're successful? But two, how do you measure or define success? What's most interesting is how these women who are absolutely successful by one person's measures or definition don't necessarily think they're successful in their own right. And a lot of the reason comes down to when I ask how they define it, they don't actually know how they would define success. Because here's the thing, right? Success is different to everyone. And what I've learned over the years as well is that what you value or what you feel is successful at one age or stage in life can be very different to how you feel at another how I would have defined success now that I'm in my 50s is extremely different to how I would have defined it when I was in my 20s, 30s. Even my 40s, it's definitely changed. So one of the things that I do probably on a at least an annual basis is I sit down and I think, okay, what does success mean for me? How would I define it? How would I put words and language around it? So that I've then got a better idea of whether I'm actually feeling it or not. Because how do you measure something if you don't actually know what the measurement criteria is? Okay, it makes it so much more difficult. If I want to know if my son is getting taller or not, but we've got a height chart, you know, uh, we did this when we were younger too, where you measure how high they are, you put the pencil mark and do it again. So we know he's grown because we just have to measure what his height is today versus what it was at a period of time in his past. And we can clearly see that, yes, you've grown, you've grown one inch or two inches, three inches, whatever it might be. And it's really cool because they can also track and manage it too because you can see it, right? It's really visual. Really interesting though because he has a goal, he wants to be over six foot because he believes it's going to make him a better basketballer or a better football player. Uh, Little does he realize that he's already a good basketballer and football player. And yes, height might be one element, but it is only one element. There are so many other components that actually make up a successful basketballer or footballer. Try to tell that to a 14-year-old kid though. What does success look like for you? And like I said, in doing a lot of research with women and finding out what it means, it's really interesting that when you sit down and actually define it, how different and how it can change your perspective on what success is and whether you are or are not successful. What I found as well is that more often than not, success is actually a feeling. It is a feeling that you get. is it a perception that you can weigh up based on your own internal beliefs, your own system, your own thoughts, your own mindset. There's so many things that make it up. But when it comes to success, I often think about, well, if you want that feeling of successful, and I don't know many people on the planet that don't want to feel successful, but if you don't know what it is, how do you then know what you've got to do to get there? And like I said, because this becomes a feeling or a perception, being really clear on what it is allows you to go, yeah, I do feel like that. And when I feel like that, that makes me feel successful. And it just changes everything when I've been doing this research, getting people to think about success, the other thing that I've been asking is, well, what do you want? Like if we're looking at success and what makes you feel successful, it's got to then, if we unpack the layers or we unpeel the onion, when we then step backwards, it's like, well, what do you want? So if I was a genie and I was going to grant you a wish or three, depending on your genie, And I said to you, well, what do you want? What wish do you want? Granted, would you actually know what to ask for, what to answer? And do you know how many people do not know? When they're asked what they want, so many people have no idea because it's so broad. It's such a big question and unless it's then broken down into specific areas so for example uh, what do you want to earn or what do you want to do today what do you want to have for dinner tonight or what do you want out of your life or you know what sort of job would make you happy what do you want from your personal life what do you want from your friendships there's so many definitions and it's so broad that unless we can narrow it down it makes it really hard and i often liken it to when we have boundaries or parameters that surround say what the question is around what you want. It makes the question easier to answer. I'll give you an example. So, if I said to you, "I'd like you to paint me a picture," and I then said, "You know, go into this art store and get whatever you need, but I'd like you to paint me a picture." Now, some people might go, "Well, that's great, but what sort of picture do you want?" But if I said, "Go into an art store and you can get anything that you want in order to paint me a picture." and you've got free reign, even though you've got free reign, I bet you wouldn't actually know where to go. Because one, I haven't given you any parameters or any boundaries or any guidance around what it is I want. What size I want? Do I want a drawing? Do I want a painting? Do I want bright colors? Do I want bold colors? Do I want it to be about something? When you're just given an open-ended, free range, go for it as much as you might think, yeah, that might sound like it's an easier option, it's actually harder. There's no parameters in which you need to work from. Whereas if I said to you, I want you to paint me a bright color picture of a zoo animal. I want it to be on a plain white background and I want it to be The size of 100 centimeters by 150 centimeters. I want it on a canvas and I want it to hang in my living room, which has a couch that's green and a pillow that's pink, and the kitchen's all painted blue. Yeah, it's not really, but you get the drift. Then it gives you the parameters or the boundaries in which you can go into the art store get the frame that's 100 by 150, get the bright colours, and you can start to visualise a zoo animal, okay, maybe a zebra because zebra has stripes and I could do different colour stripes. It makes it easier to paint the picture around what I want, which means, one, I get what I want because, as Brene Brown famously says, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And by giving you these parameters and by giving you the specific details around what I want, and I'm being really clear, it's going to mean that I'm going to get what I want. It's also going to make your job a hell of a lot easier to deliver something that I actually do want as well. So if I said to you in life, what do you want? It's really hard. But if you've sat down and worked out, what do you want? What does it look like in my personal life? What do I want from my relationships? What do I want from my work? What do I want from when I'm not at work, what I'm doing? What do I want from family life? What do I want from hobbies or fun activities? But getting really clear around all the different areas of your life and what you want from each of them. Drilling even deeper to not just what you want, but how do you want that to make you feel? One of the things that I often think about is, In each of those areas, how do I want to feel? What do I want? What do I then need to do to get that feeling? And then I can work out, okay, well, then what does that look like? One of the ways and one of my boundaries, so if we're looking at if I was painting a canvas, so if a canvas is 100 by 150, then one of my canvases for painting the picture of my life and what I want is my values, my core values. And I am so clear on these values. I'm clear on what they are. I've got words and language around them. And interesting, in interviewing a lot of people on this podcast to date, the ones who have been able to talk about the things they've done in their life that have made them feel courageous or made them feel successful, one thing that they've all got in common and one thing that I would say has certainly been a contributing factor to me feeling successful in my life is the clarity around these values. I do a lot of work with businesses trying to help them get really clear on their core values as well, because it gives you that framework. It gives you the parameters and the bounds in which you actually can therefore define and measure success. And of course, therefore, define and measure happiness and progress and all the things that give us meaning and fulfillment in our life. So I got really clear on my core values. I revisit my values every year. A number of ways that I've done that is, I mean, there's plenty of activities you can do. One of my favorite is following Dr. John Demartini's The Values Factor. So this is a super book. If you haven't read it, Um, you can get the audio book or you can read the book. And he follows... 13 specific questions that he asks you around different areas in your life by following that process you can start to clearly see some themes that come up. I've done this and like I said I revisit this every 12 months just to make sure that my values are clear and then I put language and words around it. Right now and I'm going to share what my values are to try and give you some guidance into what I've come up with and there's no rule with this. The one thing I would say, though, is when you're coming up with words to really define your values, it's about making sure that they're words that resonate with you and they don't just become words on a page. My ones are, my number one core value in life is love. And love has so many different definitions. And it's really funny that love keeps coming up for me. I have, for as long as I can remember, always said, I love love, right? I love romantic love. I love the word love. I love. I want to love what I do. I want to love who I'm with. I want to, you know, I want to love what I wear. I want to love what I eat. I've never just used the word like. I've always used the word love. And actually, if I wasn't doing the work that I do, I would have always loved to have been in the love game, the romantic love game, like as a matchmaker. I used to fantasize about being one of the hosts on Farmer Wants a Wife or The Bachelor or The Bachelorette because I love love. And actually. I have set up three relationships that have turned into marriage and been very successful. Mm. I will also tell you that I have set up many, many, many a blind date and they have not turned out to be successful. Tell you what though, it makes for a good dinnertime conversation when you ask someone how did the blind date go that you've set them up on and it was quite a disaster. And I always say before I set someone up on a blind date, the worst thing that's going to happen is you've got to have a really good story to tell me. Okay, well, actually, there's a lot more things that could go wrong. However, that's one of the conditions of me setting someone up on a blind date. And I remember running a workshop for a group of financial advisors and accountants one year. And it was a group of four, there were four owners of the business and four men, just through doing, we're actually doing some work on their corporate values and. It came down to some of the stuff that was going on in their personal life. Anyway, one of the guys unwittingly admitted that he was single and he was ready to start dating again. Well, seriously, this is like a red flag to a bull. I'm all over it. So mid-flight in the middle of this session with them, I'm like, okay, okay. So you're single, okay, what are your not negotiables in a partner? What do they have to do or be or have or look like? Or like, what are the not negotiables? What does an ideal partner look like? What are you attracted to? What appeals to you, et cetera, et cetera. And it was quite funny actually, because I did have to pull myself up and go, hey, you know what? We do need to have this conversation because this is really important, but we might do it after the session. Otherwise, we get a bit of a counseling session with the whole crew and that wasn't necessary. Anyway, I did actually finish that conversation with him. I did set him up on a blind date and no, it wasn't successful. And I didn't actually have a juicy story to tell on that one, but it was still very, very interesting to see, you know, what worked, what didn't work, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, So loving love, that's one of my things. To the point where about eight or nine years ago when we moved into the house that we're currently living and I was setting up my home office. I wanted to put a decal on the wall. I wanted the words to say, life is not worth living without love, because love has played such a huge role in my life. The word love and everything love entails. And I got the decal with that statement that life is not worth living without love, but I got it written in French. (laughs) Now, I only studied French at school, so I'm not very good at it. And I'll be honest, I can see that wall decal right now written in French, but, but I can't read it. I can't even say it to you. I can't read French anymore. Can't speak it. Don't have the accent. But I tell you what, writing that sentence in French is so much sexier. Actually, I've got it on my website. My I just launched a kimpain.com.au website. And on my about page, I've actually got that quote written in French, which is really cool, albeit I can't read it. So love has been one of my absolute core values has been all my life, even before I was able to put it into words. Now, love for me means family. Love for me means relationships. Love means romantic love. I do love romantic love. Love also means kindness and being kind first and foremost. Love also means being fair. And love, going back to Brene Brown's clear is kind, love is also being clear. Love is one of my values and when I'm looking at anything that I'm doing in life, whether it's work or whether it's personal, whether it's recreational, whether it's in relationships, I always come back to, does this come from a place of love? Is this something that I want to do and do I love to want to do it or is it just a, eh, don't know? I worked closely with a coach called Penny Lacasso for the first six months of this year and she often refers to her hell yes list, which if you're looking and weighing up something, putting it through the filter of is this a hell yes or is it a hell no or an in-between and then being able to make a decision. My list is my love list. So is this something I love? Does it light me up from within? Inside? Does this bring joy to my heart? Does this come out with the words? I would love to do this or I would love to work with you. I've spent 30 years in financial services and working with professionals and I'll be honest, using the word love has been something that I've backed away from for a long time because often, one, it wasn't accepted in general and two, sometimes I've worked with a lot of men over the years and if I say, yeah, love you or love Kim at the end of an email or the end of a text message, I have to make it really, really clear that there was nothing intimate intended by me using the word love, or I avoided using the word just to make or avoid any uncomfortable conversation or innuendo or to give the wrong idea. In saying that, I've stopped holding back because I want to love love, right? I love life and I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I do use love all the time now. I will say, I loved catching up with you or I'd love to see you again. I sign off emails with the words big love and I do use it and I embrace it because this is one of my values. One of them also when it comes to love is also loving who I am. And I don't mean in a, an egocentrical up myself kind of way. I mean in a very self-aware, personally developed, mature sense that I actually do love who I am. And I know this is very uncomfortable for some people, but this is a practice that I have been doing a lot. I get up in the morning and thanks to Mel Robbins and her high five habit, I high five myself first thing in the morning when I look in the mirror. And if you haven't read that book, it's highly, highly, highly recommended. And then I look at myself in the eyes, in the mirror, and say, I love you. Now, again, that's gonna eke some of you out. Some of you are gonna go, yeah, no. Nah that's really weird. That's really odd. And there are others of you who I know you do that too. You do that. You know where I'm coming from. You know, there is nothing weird or wacky about that, but embracing self-love, loving who I am. Cause at the end of the day, in this life, at this time on this planet, this is all I've got, right? I am in this body. I am with the consciousness and the awareness of who I am. And this is it. And if I don't love it, then I'm going to be battling living with someone I don't love every single day. I have two choices. I can do that or I can go, no, no, I, I do love this human that I am and I'm going to embrace it because it makes life far more pleasant. And seriously, getting up in the morning, high-fiving yourself, saying you love you, yeah, not everyone's going to say that or high-five me throughout the day, so at least I've got my own back and I can do it. So one of my core values is love and everything comes from a place of love. One of my next core values is the word liberation. Liberation absolutely resonates with me. And when you hear my next two values, you'll see that the four of them, the four of my core values all start with the word L, which is coincidental, but not. So it just so happens that these are the words that really resonate with me. And i tell you what, having four words start with the same letter, it also makes it really easy to remember. Not that you need to remember something that's in your heart, however, when first developing them. Liberation to me, is a version of freedom, but it means so much more. Liberation means really owning all that I am and feeling free to be me wholeheartedly. Now, I have to love myself in order to do that, so the values are very much aligned. But liberation in terms of having choice around everything I do when I do it, how I do it, who I do it with. Now, I don't always get choice in it, but that's something I'm working towards. It is around growth and this whole freedom about, you know, doing what I want, when I want, where, how I want. Then that is around growing as well and growing who I am. It is also around courage, and courage is a very, very dear word to me because of what it means. I mean, this whole podcast is around courageous and courageous me, There is absolutely a reason why I've called it that because when I say those words, I am saying that I am courageous. And yet, if you say it and you say the words courageous me, you're saying you are courageous. And it's interesting because I could have called it courageous you, but that's me telling you you're courageous. I want you to own it because, again, that comes back to my value of liberation and owning who I am, feeling free with who I am. And it also is about being very clear on my purpose and my calling and my why. These are all areas that I do a lot of work in, helping others to find these things. So find what their purpose is, what their passion is, what their calling is, what their why is. Because I do believe that in knowing that and understanding that, it really does allow me to have the liberation and the freedom to turn up and feel free to be me as I am in all my beautiful, imperfect glory. So that's my second value. So I run a lot of what I do, a lot of decisions I make, a lot of choices that I have to go about. I run it through this filter of, does this fit with my value of liberation? And it's interesting because I got asked to do a piece of work recently. It was normally a piece of work that I would have done in the the years gone by because it was, something that I was into. However, over the years, my purpose has changed and what I'm actually doing has changed. So no longer did this piece of work actually light me up. I didn't love it anymore, right? It didn't pass through my love it list. What's interesting though, when I was asked to do this piece of work, I really had to go, okay, why is this rubbing up against me so negatively? Why do I feel? I actually felt like I was in a cage and I was trapped. And it's funny because I hadn't actually even said yes to this work, but even going through the process of weighing up do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? It became a very visceral feeling in my body that, no, I didn't want to do it. I got these feelings of being constrained, kind of like, you know, clipping the wings on a bird or a butterfly. I imagine that that's what it would feel like. So, again, you know, when we're talking about success being a feeling and values guiding your feelings, it was very, very clear to me. And it became a no. And I actually said no to it because it was making me feel like this. And this is what I mean by over time it's changed because I would have said yes to that work. I probably would have jumped at that work a number of years ago, but today it didn't fill my heart. It didn't pass my love at test and it didn't make me feel liberated and free. So the answer was no. And it was really funny when I did say no, when I replied, no, it was all done through email. I felt liberated. And again, this goes back to the parameters. My 100 by 150 canvas are my values and liberation is one of them. When I wasn't living that value, when there was a thought that I was going to do that, it went against it. But when I said no, it was like all that liberation came back in. So my first value is love. And then they're not really in any order, but my second one is liberation. My third value, again, another L word is learning. I absolutely passionately love learning and learning for me is very much around curiosity and it is all about wisdom. So it's not just learning for learning's sake, it is learning for wisdom and it is learning because I am innately curious as a human being. And it's interesting actually, when I reflect back on my childhood, as a little girl, I used to, and I mean a really little girl, I used to get all my teddy bears. I was never into dolls, but I loved teddy bears. And I used to get all my teddy bears and go out of our laundry door. And we had some steps that walked down to the garden. And I would put all my teddy bears on the steps. So we had about eight or nine steps. So I'd put a teddy bear on each side. So what, that's 16 teddy bears. And I would pretend I was a school teacher. And I would pretend that I was actually teaching them whatever it might be, maths or English or, no, it'd never be English. I hated English. It would have been something maths or something. And I used to pretend that I was teaching them and then I would ask them, did they understand that and were they learning? And it was really, really interesting. And it was one of my favourite things to do and one of my fondest memories. So it's no surprise that when I was looking at my values that learning came up. Also a little bit obsessive about learning, you pretty much don't find me doing anything without earpods in my ears, listening to podcasts, been listening to podcasts since they first became a thing or listening to audiobooks now that they are a thing, reading books or listening to masterclasses. I get so distracted doing the learning that I actually sometimes have to pull myself back and go, hey Kim, you've actually got real work to do. The learning's great. Sometimes you just need to to get some focus. When I'm doing anything or thinking about it is like, is this allowing me to fulfill my desire for curiosity, to fill my heart with wisdom because I'm learning the whole way. And actually, I heard a guy, oh, fruit, I can't remember what his name is on a podcast the other day, and his name is Alex. I'll put it in the show notes. I can't remember what it was. And he was saying, there's one thing to learn, but there's another thing to actually take the learning and turn it into a, a changed or an action or a behavior where you actually get the benefit from the learning. And I thought it was really cool actually, because I can get a little bit obsessive with jamming my brain full of more learnings, right? So podcast after podcast after webinar after session, I'm constantly learning, learning, learning. But at some point, That learning has to turn into wisdom. That learning has to turn into not just satisfying my curiosity, but turning into something that then allows me to experience liberation and freedom and progress and growth and all of that. He gives the example that if he pulls up a red card and then he smacks you, that's something that he's done. So he's pulled up a red card and he hits you. If he then pulls up the red card again, then if you've actually learnt the lesson, when he goes to hit you, you're combining pulling up the red card with the hit. Then you're going to see the red card and you're going to duck because you know that the red card means he's going to hit you. And in a nice way, this is not in a bad way, in a nice way. So if he pulls up the red card and you don't move, you don't duck or get out of the way, then you haven't actually learned the lesson. And I thought that's a really cool thing because it's very, very easy, like I said, to just keep jam-packing, learning, 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 learning. But at what point do you stop and apply that learning? At what point does what you're taking in actually translate into something that is helping you grow or helping you live to your other values and what's important to you in life? So sometimes, and actually what I've done literally right now is I have an Audible subscription where each month I get a new audiobook and it's just expired i've used all on my audiobooks for the year so i've got a choice i can actually resubscribe what i've decided to do though off the back of hearing this guy alex talk the other day about learning and you know seeing the red card and ducking is instead of just moving on, getting another subscription and and looking at another 12 audiobooks in the next couple of months, what I'm doing is I'm going back and re-listening to some of the audiobooks that I've enjoyed over the past 12 months so that I can take in some of the lessons. And it's fascinating because in listening to some of these audiobooks again, I feel like I'm listening to it for the first time because I've got a different perspective or a different point of view as I'm now looking at it. Because, you know, it's kind of like they say once you've learned something, you can't unlearn it, or once you've heard something, you can't unhear it. And our brains actually do for everything that goes on, it changes. So, what I've learned and what I've done over the last 12 months since I last listened to that book has changed, which means the perspective that I'm now listening to the book from, the lessons I have learned over the years or over the year, I'm now looking at and absorbing different things. And it's absolutely fascinating. Talk about getting value for money too from my Audible subscription, although I don't think it's value for money for them because they want new money. They want me to pay more money, not just re-listen to old books. But it's such a fascinating thing to do, to go back and re-listen to things because this is now satisfying my desire for curiosity. It's I feel like it's making me wiser because I'm now able to create Different wisdom and different application out of learning or hearing the same content again. Okay, so, so far I've got love, I've got liberation, I've got learning, and my final core value, my final 100 by 150 is laughter. This is very, very, very dear to me. Laughter means fun, laughter means play, laughter means creativity, laughter means not taking yourself too seriously, which in the line of work over 30 years working in financial services and now working, empowering, professional women. It can get really serious and there absolutely has to be a serious element to it. Plus I'm an adult woman with children and responsibilities and life is not always easy. So making sure that I still allow myself to have fun, to be curious, to play. Over the years to live out my value of laughter, I've done things like dancing and I know these are podcast episodes I've done in the past, but I've done things like dancing. I've played women's baseball. I go out there. I've just joined a tennis club with my husband so that we can have some time to play and to do things that light me up. I'm obsessed with dad jokes. (laughs) Like literally I follow all these sites with dad jokes. I cannot recite any of them or I can, I think I've actually shared one or two in a previous podcast. I'm not very good at it. My favorite joke is what did number zero say to number (laughs) 8 And even if you've heard me say it before or that you never have, number zero says to number eight, I like your belt. Okay. I've only got one other dad joke outside of that. so, So don't ask me to say it. The point is I love laughter. And whenever I'm feeling a little bit low or a little bit sad or a little bit blue, I seriously, I just get onto Instagram onto the site called Dad Jokes and I have a laugh. And nearly every single day, I take my favorite dad joke, take a screen print of it, and I send a text message to my husband, sometimes to my kids, although they're not always kid friendly. And I do this because it gives me a laugh. And it's my reminder to bring laughter into my everyday. Through a lot of the work I do as well. So I I run a lot of team workshops, team building workshops, values workshops. Laughter is so important. And I don't want to do work I don't enjoy. So I often take a lot of props. I like take sparkly ties or sparkly hats or sparkly bandanas and I get everyone and I do a lot of work still with accountants, financial advisors, mortgage brokers and lawyers to do really serious work and I get them to put these fun props on. I get them to draw pictures with bright coloured textures on bright coloured paper. I throw lollies at them throughout. I make them do things and stand up. Actually, I ran a value session for a group a little while ago And I'll often play music and I got them all up dancing to the village people's YMCA. Because for me, when you laugh, I feel you actually also learn better, which again is one of my other values. So it's no surprise that all of my values intertwine. When I'm filtering, do I want to do something or do I not? I'm making a decision. Does this come from a place of, do I love this? Does it pass my love it list? Is this going to provide me the liberation and the freedom and courage and growth that I'm yearning for? Is this going to be an opportunity to learn, to get a bit wiser, to satisfy my curiosity, or is this going to fulfill my desire for laughter, for play, for creativity and for some fun? These values are my guiding principles, everything flows through them. So when I'm looking at my definition of success, and do I feel successful? one of the key, the catalyst or the key things that I judge that by is, am I moving towards my values and the goals and the things that are important to me that are aligned with living life along these four words of love, liberation, learning, and laughter? As a result, I can then go, and how do I want to feel? I want to feel like I'm living in alignment with these values. And it is it has been liberating, pardon the pun, given that's one of my values, it has been liberating and no surprise, like I said, a lot of the guests that come on this podcast, and I just interviewed a guy literally five minutes ago, and I'm—he his episode will be out shortly, and one of the first things that came up that he got very, very clear on his values early on in the piece when he was in his 20s, and as a result, has lived his life by that, and <laughs> it's just no surprise. So what are your values? What does success look like for you? And what do you want? I'm a genie granting you one wish, maybe three. What are you asking for? Getting clear on that, writing them down, putting some words and language around it. I swear this changed my life. And when I do this work with others, it makes a massive, massive difference. And by the way, if you're not clear on it, if you need a hand with it, if you've got a team of people that need to get clear on it, and you want some help, because it's not always easy, and it's not always easy to do it for yourself. took me a long time to get as clear as day around mine, but when you do get stuck or you need that clarity, get in touch with me. Seriously, this is the work I do. This is what lights me up. I think you can tell I'm a little bit excited about this work. Get clear on your values. It'll help you define success. It'll help you know how to measure and track your success And I swear it'll help you live a life where knowing what you want and moving towards that is so much more fulfilling. Thanks a million for joining me on this episode of Courageous Me. I hope it ignited a spark or two within you. To keep the inspiration flowing, hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more episodes. We've got loads of amazing stories of courage, passion and practical tips coming your way. For all the show notes, resources and ways that we can connect, head to courageousme.com.au and your feedback is incredibly valuable. So if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to leave a review and a rating. It'll help me spread more of this love and reach more wonderful people just like you. Until we meet again, my friend, always remember, you've got this.